0: Hello and welcome to Dropping at Movies. I'm Mike, and I'm Jose, and we're talking about Rocket Man, which you saw a couple of days ago. Yes, oh, you saw on Friday, and I just saw yesterday.
1: Yes, and I'm wondering if my memory is going to be like fresh enough to kind of, you know, get the most out of it in this podcast. But well, we'll give it a go.
0: Well, we'll see. Um, I loved it. I loved. It. I didn't have particularly high expectations. I didn't know much about it, but I thought the trailer looked kind of. I just didn't like the look of the trailer, to be honest. But I I was just in love with it from the moment it started.
1: I had several things against it going in, really. So, um, first of all, I'm not a particular fan of Elton John. And actually, or I went in with the idea that I'm not a particular fan of Elton John. And then the experience of watching the film led me to a different conclusion. We can talk about that later. But, you know, initially that was like, I don't want to see that. Yeah. The other thing is that I, I disliked Bohemian Rhapsody so much that I thought, "Oh no!" The not film any, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, right. Not another one of these rock star bios that mm. you know, kind of uh, are for the fans and they will whitewash everything. And really, who needs to see it? Um, so those were two, and also I'm directed
0: by the same guy. Well, Dexter Fletcher took over for the last two weeks of filming on Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, but only the
1: um, only a few weeks, right? What so. I no, Dexter Fletcher from us he did that Scottish musical didn't he Sink Street or something like that uh, I don't know um, which 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 I did like very much Dex- sunshine on Leith? sunshine on Leith. that's what I meant yeah which I which I really liked um, so um, yeah and but I didn't I, I, I didn't register to me that that was the same director actually right. it's something that I only found out after I'd seen the film and I thought oh who did this I like it so much um, so you know, I was I, I was I was really surprised. And actually, though I thought uh, um, Taron Egerton was very good in the Kingsman films, I thought well, he's very good. You know, but I, I yeah, there's
0: something just a little bit there missing. There's something missing. There's a star aspect that's slightly missing.
1: That's right. And my God, you know, in the first five minutes of this film. When he's walking as Elton, you know, with the horns and the suit and there's something about his walk, which is kind of very butchy, right? Mm. You know, um, and I just thought, oh my God, this is fantastic, right? It was just like, you know, an actor who was relishing, you know, kind of his part uh, and getting the most out of it. And I thought, oh, this is going to be fun, really.
0: Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Well, my, my relationship with Elton John is as someone who didn't really know the music. But I knew the star persona in a way. Uh, obviously, I didn't grow up in the 70s and 80s. Um, I grew up in the, in the 90s and, um, well, late 90s. Um, mm. And so I obviously knew who Elton John was and I knew some of the music. You know, I knew the kind of the five or six kind of greatest hits. Um, I'd heard them. But the, the Elton John that I was aware of was as someone who I knew was gay and I knew there was this clip. That that was occasionally shown on TV of him in the I want to say eighties talking about his marriage and he's like talking to he's talking to um, a caller who's called into this TV show who's asked how is, is he happy in his marriage and he says yes we're very happy and this was shown on TV in the late nineties and early two thousands as a kind of oh who is he trying to fool oh, yeah. type of thing all right okay. um, like I, I suppose in comparison to the uh, the Freddie Mercury film I think there's there seems to be a difference in that. It really wasn't supposed to is it the case that he wasn't really known to be gay until he came out Elton John whereas with Freddie Mercury it was kind of he was really a gay icon uh no they were
1: no. they were kind of very similar in a way I think insofar as you know Queen was a heavy metal band so you know when I was growing up all the all the kids who were into like hard rock or something mm. you know they loved Queen because they thought it was like a more sophisticated version Of that kind of big stadium rock band, right? Yeah. So, but then, of course, Freddie Mercury, like, you know, he did do opera. I mean, there was always something about him, right? Whereas to me, though, well, to me, Elton John, I mean, I remember when I first saw him, really, which was on the cover of Time Magazine when I must have been like eight or nine or something, right? You know, so actually, he's been a figure all my life. I remember him also seeing him in the in the Cher show singing with Cher right mm. right so there's kind of but but the gay aspect really didn't register with me and I was talking with my friend Andy and he was saying well he always twigged on something and you know Elton was an important figure for him you know for me it wasn't and I remember I did have one of his albums I had a yellow brick road album which I loved you know but I, I kind of I just picked it up because it was it was on, on the bargain bin, right? Mm. Like, you know, there used to be a, a secondhand record store in Montreal called Cheap Thrills where you could pick up albums for 50 cents, you know, on from their bargain bin. And I had just picked it up. And, you know, so it wasn't something that I saw, though I must get the latest Elton John album or something. It was just something that was there. Mm. Um, and then I loved it. Um, but, you know, kind of the songs, you know, the, the lyrics are all lyrics written by a heterosexual man. Yeah, hey,
0: I didn't know that. I, I thought he wrote his own lyrics. I had no idea he had. No, a right. Well,
1: for most, I mean, he. I'm, I'm sure he has written some, but most of the songs that you will recognize as his are written by a straight man, and you can tell, mm. or I can tell, right. And then the thing about his star persona is he was definitely theatrical. He wore outrageous outfits. There's no question about any of that. But actually, as we see in the film, his whole manner of being, like right, the way he walks and the way he's got a bullshiness, right? He's quite. Like, this is something you were talking blokish, about. Right? Something you were
0: talking about on Facebook, which again jives with what I knew of when I was young about Elton John, because I remember the Royal Mail adverts where he was. It was very well known that he uh, was a shopaholic, and he and there's the whole thing about him getting flowers delivered and how the Royal Mail could facilitate that. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of there was this combination in those adverts of a blokishness with being surrounded by flowers in a palatial sort of, you know.
1: Yeah, but there's a, there's a trajectory to that, right? Because obviously what happened is, at some point, he did come out. And it's still, for people of my generation, there's still a little bit of resentment against people like him and Ian McKellen, you know, who all of a sudden become, like, icons of gay liberation or something. Because in our view... They didn't help when help was needed most. I, I don't know exactly what year Elton John came out, right? But he got married in the 80s. Yeah. Right. Right? So, right. And that was very much a kind of a, a cover-up marriage. It was like, yeah. it, it was like Rock Hudson, right? Had, being married to someone to save his career type of thing, right? So, 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 there's always, mind you, you know, intellectually you feel you can't judge these people. People have to come out at their own pace and in ways that they feel safe and that's different for everybody, right? You know, so it might be unreasonable to feel this niggling sense of resentment against these people. But I think actually it also comes because, you know, now they're like holier than thou about, you know, I I mean, you know, kind of um, about coming out, right? Uh, And you think, well, you know, kind of when I was at that demonstration, there were 50 people in that fucking kind of, you know, cold Montreal. <laughs> you know, <laughs> kind of uh, protest. Kind of, where were all of you then? Right, like yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, I love his persona, and actually, and I love that he's blokish, right? That he owned the football team, and kind of it just goes to show, mm-hmm. you know, how different people are, really. Yeah, you know, the kind of gay people are like everybody else in all kinds of ways, right? Yeah, uh, it kind of. You know there's a whole spectrum uh so uh but but you know i love the bullshiness yeah they're not taking shit from people i kind of i love the i love the 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 blockishness and there is that blokishness, uh which also has to do with awkwardness right so i was looking at the george michael duet that he did of don't let the sun go down on me yeah and you have like uh, I mean you know George Michael looks like a Greek god, really, he's like so beautiful, you know, and he's tall and slim and he dances beautiful, and he's a great performer, and you know Elton comes in and he's too short and he's like too fat, <laughs> and he has a surly look on him, right you know? yeah yeah, and he's great, yeah, like kind of you know, and then like he you know he sings the song with him, and he's generous as well, yeah, like what I mean one of the things about Elton John was always he was he was you know he was very generous with other performers, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he's always like bigging up other people, yeah, and kind of appreciating mm. them, you know, so, so I love all of that, but you know, there's, there's a contrast between, you know, the, the, the kind of, I mean, both of them came out very late, but you know, the type of gayness that George Michael represents, sure, That yeah. which Elton John represents.
0: But that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like there's a sort of, it's probably overdoing it to say there's like a lack of campiness about Elton John today. Um, in the i mean cuz when you think about Alan John he's still you know he's still dressing up as sort of you think on him dressing up as Elizabeth Marianne I Bonnet or in yes. well. like, <laughs> but but it's a, but it is a weird kind of incongruous look like he is a bloke in this in dress, dress. It, you know it's not yeah. it's um it's not there is a definite incongruity He's not trying there. to be feminine right exactly yeah. um but then these days i mean he's kind of you know the the Alan John that i as i said, kind of i know in a way is is one who Wears suits and just looks like a bloke with funny glasses at most. Yeah, that's Um,
1: why people people have criticised this film for not being queer enough, and I think part of it is, you know, and I personally don't see any problem with that, you know, but um, that the ideology that the film conveys and supports, you know, and which is really, I think, the character or the persona that. Elton John kind of evokes is just somebody wanting normalcy, right? Yeah, kind of, i.e. somebody wanting love and being in a relationship and having children. Yeah, a
0: heteronormacy.
1: Yes, I think, well, I
0: mean... Well, is that the the criticism? Like, he didn't want to have a kind of gay life. He wanted to have a straight life as a gay man.
1: Well, I I suppose kind of, you know, part of the um, kind of criterion or the characteristics of queerness as Mm. you know at least in some definitions, I'm qualifying in all kinds of ways here Mm. is that basically homophobia forces people to be imaginative with their lives right so Mm. you know if you can't get married and you know if kind of you're forbidden from adopting children at one point or anything then you have to invent different types of lives that are just as fulfilling right but different right Mm. whereas actually this is kind of very much reproducing the standard heterosexual kind of normative. Yeah. Mm. Like, you know, he's now married to someone, they have two two children or Mm -hmm. maybe three now. Yeah. Kind of, yeah.
0: Certainly two in the titles at the end of the film.
1: Yeah. So, (laughs) um, so, you know, that's kind of just, you know, reproducing a pattern that hadn't heretofore been available is now available, but really the structure of that is a heterosexual one. Mm. Yeah. Well, I, I, it, as I said, I personally yeah. feel that, you know, people find happiness where they can. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. you know, uh, hurrah for them if they can find it in those ways that they want and they aspire to. I don't have a problem with it.
0: Well, I think that kind of, in a way, speaks to saying that I was thinking all the way through watching it, which is that I really like Elton John. I didn't know him that well, and I didn't know his music that well, but he seems so bloody likeable. And in a way, this film functions as a kind of autobiography because he's involved in it. Yes. You know, so this is not the same as the Freddie Mercury film, yes. where Freddie Mercury passed away and had no say in it. This and,
1: is the way um, Elton wants to be seen.
0: Right. Um, and I think... So, you, So there is this thing about... You know, kind of wondering what's been whitewashed, what's been changed, that sort of thing. But the film doesn't come across as whitewashed. The film no. comes across as showing him in his darkest moments, in his kind of depths of addiction to cocaine, and that sort of thing. I,
1: I admire him very much for that, actually. You know.
0: But I think in a subtle in way, like, that's what makes it so likeable. Like, knowing that Elton John's behind it, and knowing that he was he's, he's allowing his story to be told this way, or wants his story to be told this way, is what makes it so likeable. The feeling of openness to it.
1: Except, you know, except that one of the things that the film does... Is create this distance. So actually, you know, and maybe part of the way that why it's acceptable to John, Elton John himself and to the audience is, you know, I used to be mm-hmm. like really promiscuous and, you know, kind of and en- en- battered. And I, you know, the, I think the film begins by saying I'm a shopaholic, I'm a drug addict, I'm a, you know, bulimic and blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. But kind of, you know, the code at the end with him, you know, doing happy families means, Okay that's the way I was. Yeah. Right. The um, film
0: ends while he's ba- he's just come out of rehab more or less right. and um, and he's still in kind of a reasonably youngish looking mode. I mean he's still played by Taron Egerton and he's still in kind of fancy dress and whatever whereas it cuts to then you know, five or six photographs of Elton as he is now yes. looking very different dressed in suits and kind of looking more sort of down to earth. Yes. And and it's the Elton that you're seeing in those photos right at the end updating you on who he is now is not the same as the Elton you've seen in the film, in a yes. way. Yes. There is, there is a difference. There is agreement. a difference.
1: Though, you know, I want to give credit to the film, really, because, you know, it also... So, so in this argument about is it queer, is it not queer, whatever, um, you know, one of the things that it does manage to show very well is the structures of oppression that gay men live through. You know, so basically, um, I mean, he's completely separated from his father. And part of the reason is, you know, He's a Nancy, you know, he's, he's a fairy, you know, his father, you get the feeling watching the film that his father can't stand looking at him really, you know, that, yeah, Mm. yeah, he's, he's too effeminate. He's, he's looking at Vogue patterns, you know, (laughs) so, so, so there's that. There's also a kind of a disdain from the mother, right? There's also like this incredible inability to kind of, you know, to find love and there's no kind of rituals and, you know, questions of dating there's also the danger that he places himself in often kind of loving the wrong people like heterosexual ones so you know we get to see him making a pass at bernie taupin and of course bernie taupin in the film is very kind and so on but imagine all of those people who weren't mm. right yeah so um and obviously kind of being coerced or emotionally kind of coerced into a marriage um you know being abused and blackmailed by people John yeah? Reed in particular John Reed in particular but you also get the feeling there have been many like John Reed. yeah yeah the mother says you buy them houses and whatever yeah and mm. um so yeah and and physically battered right so kind of yeah it mm. and actually i d- i do think it does show those structures of oppression that were like so so real uh and vivid and you know, kind of maybe the only the only problem I have with the film is the coda. Yeah. This happy families thing. I find it quite sickening. Um, and also the putting all of this in the past as if there aren't people today, you know, both in this country and abroad who aren't suffering from the same structures of homophobia, you know, the
0: film, um, Places Elton John as really the victim in it all as well, yes. in the way he's treated, um, and I think it comes across as incredibly sympathetic. It does. But do you think that it's? Do you think it comes across as artificial? No. See, I didn't at all. No, I don't despite think knowing this is the, this is the thing. Despite knowing that Elton John's behind the film, I and can tell the story how he likes. It feels really authentic and believable and likable. And maybe it's maybe that maybe I put certain things like because I want to like it so much which I do and I think it's beautifully made and it's a
1: brilliant musical as well on top of that. I think Taron Egerton is so great in this in a way that what, what was it Ricky Malish or oh Rami Malik? Rami Malik wasn't in Bohemian Rhapsody uh, Bohemian Rhapsody I mean don't get me wrong I think he I think Malik was very very good but you really get a sense here of a flesh and blood person yeah kind of bursting out I mean he feels really alive right whereas with Malik, you you saw the impersonation of Freddie Mercury. You saw all the ticks, but I never felt that there was a, like a real person. Yeah, it didn't come
0: together until that final scene that we loved, where they reenact Band Aid. That's true. Which but, is not, but just not to say that was a real person, but he embodies that persona very well. Here.
1: He embodied that performance of that iconic moment in Wembley. Yeah, but this is different. I mean, just. You know, from from the beginning, just the walk, mm. you know, that Egerton has, like, kind of... His
0: smile as well.
1: Yeah. The perfect smile. Um, right? But but the walk, I think, <laughs> you know, because it exudes energy and bolshiness and, you know, and and so on. Um, and, and you know, you get the feeling that it is like a kind of, you know, a, a, um, a, a real person, you know. Because on the one hand, he's quite queenie. He's always having hissy fits and he's got a short temper and... You know, mm-hmm. and kind of part of it is just the drug mess that he's in, you know. But on the other hand, there is a kind of a strength, yeah, that that he conveys, and obviously like a great talent, yeah. So Yeah,
0: again, that was another thing which I kind of thought like, he, he, that he's a he's a, a prodigy at the piano, and he sits down, and hears something, and he can immediately play it. Yes, and you're like, can he really? But then, there are people like that, you know? No, no, well, I about The thing about, like, getting the lyrics and just immediately playing music to them. Yeah. But then, you know, I I, I saw, uh, he was on Inside the Actors Studio, I think, where, and he he got, uh, someone in the audience had, like, a packet of something, and he just started singing the ingredients and instructions. Yes. You know, and, like, making up a song to them. It was beautiful.
1: Yes. (laughs) You know, so, like, some people can do that. Actually, he's amazing. I heard that, you know, he wrote all of the score of um, The Lion King you know, through facts, they would, yeah, you know, oh, really? It's it wasn't him being in a room, you know, uh, with with the people, it was like, yeah. you know, you send me the lyrics, I send you a song, if it doesn't work, send me some other lyrics, I send you another song, right, like, you know. And I
0: think the film makes you get it as well, like, yeah. like again, when we were talking about Bohemian Rhapsody, we agreed um, that it's a film that doesn't really convey why this music was so great if you didn't already know I yes. think. and I think this film kind of does and I think the way the musical works you, you were talking again on Facebook about how it narrativizes through music and yes. how, how, how it tells its story and evokes emotion through music which I think is great it's not like saying it, it doesn't do the thing of just picking out the song that has the right lyrics to sort of um, tell the plot but it tells the emotional story through the music, and it brings in songs when it needs to. Like the a, 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 a bit underground, uh, underground, the bit underwater yeah. where he's singing Rocket Man, just a yes. snatch of Rocket Man with his younger self, and he's he's killed himself. He yes. tried to kill himself by drowning himself. Is extraordinary. I teared up at that moment, yes. and it's, I, I teared up three times actually. Oh really? Which ones? It was it was right at the start. It was border song, uh-huh. which which the whole family sings at the start, which I never heard border song before, uh-huh. and and the way the family sings it is you know kind of one person sings a line another person sings another line and then they kind of come together and when they were doing that and the camera's moving through the house and everyone's taking their turn i thought oh this is so cheesy like this this is dangerous
1: it's like meet me in st louis the beginning of meet me in st louis
0: but it works so well and actually and i think it ha- it has an elton john e sort of vibe to it where it has these it has this cheesiness but Elton John's quite cheesy, and and it really works, and it sells it, and you believe in it, and so the, the, the when the film kind of did slightly dangerous things like that, and then got away with them, I cheered, yes. you know. So there's that bit where I teared up. There's the bit underwater with Rocket Man, and there was right at the end with um, with the, where the the structure, the structuring kind of story, the framing device of the group therapy session uh, comes to a head, and you see him talking to his family who he imagines are there yes. which again I thought God this is dangerous if this doesn't if you don't nail this yes. this is an awful moment yes. but I bought it hook, line and sink and I went with it completely and I was practically crying mm. it was wonderful
1: what I loved most um, was the moment again it's a family moment where they take one of his songs the I Want Love mm. uh, and they split it into it's sung by every member of the family and actually, I thought that was so brilliant, you know, because I remember when the song came out, and, you know, really, I think by that point, Elton had come out. And so, you know, I just read it as a gay man song, yeah, kind mm. of, you know, uh, uh, a kind of a, an, an, an assertion <laughs> of a need for love, right? Um, as the lyrics kind of underline. But what the film does is it makes it so empathetic, you know, because basically. You know, the film takes that song and instead of just kind of making this individual desire for love, it actually kind of splits it into every member of the family. So every member of the family has, you know, a need for a love that isn't being met in Mm -hmm. the structures that they are inhabiting, right? So kind of, you know, to spread that to the father and to the mother and to the grandmother and, yeah, yeah, as well as him, I thought was like a brilliant brilliant moment that opened up the film yeah that kind of and also yeah, i'm wondering if it's the moment i described and i just got the song wrong i think well that might be but i think the song yeah. is i want love
0: All right well it's wonderful uh, anyway
1: yeah um so uh i to me that was like kind of one of the highlights of the film and actually you know it's a film that i do want to see again because um you know i was so caught up in the music and the structure and and egerton's performance and actually you know um the thing is, you know, Egerton was not the only one who was good, and actually I must remember that, because, you know, Bryce Dallas Howard as the mother was fantastic. Mm. And also, um, it took me a while to recognise her, actually.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, no, I recognised her immediately, but I thought it was the quality of the accent. i was uh, thinking, is that Bryce Dallas Howard? Like, she can't she can't be doing an English dinner. mum. <laughs> you know, but she was, and she was. I thought she was great.
1: Yeah, she was great. And also... Um, the guy from um, television who plays the lover, the manager lover, um, Richard Madden. Richard Madden, yes. He was wonderful. You know, he kind of oozed snake oil. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, it has that thing. It's, um, uh, it, it does have it does have elements of those tropes that that could could work very negatively of of you know kind of a gay man who is kind of perpetually alone and unable to love and this or sort of thing, and then the. the you have the manager character taking advantage. Yes. And, you know, the kind of... Again, to compare it to Bohemian Rhapsody, the way it worked in Bohemian Rhapsody was the most out, uh, kind of visibly gay character in that just was evil, you know, which was something awful. That's not exactly the case here. But he is, nonetheless, a prominent gay character in this who is evil, and you can tell from the start he's kind of bad news, I think. Yeah, yeah. Kind of certainly got that feeling myself.
1: And And just taking advantage of you know people's vulnerabilities and need for love and affection exactly um but had- in
0: this i you know as much as i can see that trope it feels like the film made it work you know
1: yes i think so too and actually there are others like similarities for, for example you know you like there was the moment where he got beaten up, where I thought, "Oh my God!" You know, this is like uh, such a trope of these type of musicals, right? It's like mm-hmm. in the Tina Turner musical, right, where Ike <laughs> kind of bashes her, right? <laughs> you know, though, kind of, you know, the film doesn't make this doesn't make any of them defining moments, right? Kind of, you know, they're all moments that have kind of reverberations onto other like showbiz, you know, rock musicals, um, but that kind of don't define the character yeah uh which i thought was really beautiful you know yeah. so and and the reason why i wanted to see it again is because i think the film is probably a lot more visually interesting than i registered it's just you know that i, I didn't think exactly. register it i think <laughs>
0: it, i think it's really it's really well made and it's really nicely i think the, it, it visualizes things really nicely but i do want to see it again as well mm. and i think part of it is that i got totally sucked in and i wasn't even thinking yes you know and I just got lost in it it was wonderful and realising to a lesser extent than you did how great this music is and how important it is and how I have heard it always and kind of and actually and actually how how, actually how much better it is than I ever gave it credit for yes which is something I never really did
1: Uh, that's how I feel so when I so I suppose when we began I was saying well you know I've never really been an Elton John fan you know and so on I mean like I said I had one of his albums but really that's almost like an accident of history he was so big Mm. In the 70s, right, that I I was able to get one of his albums in the 50 cent bin, you know, because they they had just sold so many copies that people got rid of them, you know. Um, But then actually listening to the film, it really kind of made me realize this is like a soundtrack to my life. I have been listening to these songs my whole life, right. And there were moments in most of them that had moved me at some point in my life, yeah. that I I connected to, you know. Daniel or I'm Still Standing or like, you know, a whole bunch mm-hmm. of them. You, you, you can remember where you were, you know, when you hurt them, actually. Uh, so, again, I have kind of these memories of being a child and watching the... I forget whether it was the Cher Show or the Sunny and Cher Show, where, you know, where he appeared. Yeah, of seeing the Time Magazine cover with him. And that was where he played the, the stadium, where he was dressed in the baseball suit that, yeah. you, that you see in the film. I mean i remember that moment um you know and he appeared with those you know glasses uh in the cover of time magazine i remember like you know i'm watching the i'm still standing video yeah you know when i had moved out and i was living with my then partner and you know kind of mtv was very big and that was like on constant play on mtv so kind of you know it brings back Moments, yeah. Um, I tell you another reason that,
0: that. <laughs> I tell you another reason I think that it's successful as a musical is that it's not just about it, it's not just about playing this music like when when they chronologically fit in the story or anything like that, and it's not about playing the music because of what it meant to its audience, although it is, which yeah. I think is what Bohemian Rhapsody was doing. Bohemian Rhapsody was like these songs come up to just show how big the band was that, and just because you like the music. Yes. But this film and this film listens to its music's lyrics yes and 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 plays the music and sings the songs when they fit, you know goodbye yellow Brick road I think is used fantastically when um when he kind of finally decides to go to therapy and yeah. and it re it, it replays the bit it catches up with the start of the film where he strides into group therapy and it's playing it under it and it's doing this arrangement with like trumpets like it turns it into this incredibly triumphant moment, which is, I thought it was fantastic. Like, it's such a heroic, triumphant moment, where he decides, I'm going to get help at last. It's amazing. Um, And it understands music. It's about, you know, I've been on the yellow brick road for so long, and I've decided that my future isn't here. hmm. You know, and I'm going to change the track and all that sort of thing. It's a film that understands and listens to its own music and uses it properly.
1: What I liked in relation to what you're saying, was Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting? Yeah. Yeah? Um because actually one of the things that i really uh love about this film uh is and maybe i'm wrong about it but you know is what i see as its englishness i see it as a very kind of english movie right you know and that moment saturday night's all right for fighting the way that it's visualized like you know him walking from the la- yeah from the back lane of his mm. you know kind of house and you know the pub and yeah kind of you know people fighting on us getting drunk and fighting on a saturday night and yeah there is a kind of whole tropes of 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 british culture really but but i think there's a peculiar englishness to it as well right like pinner is much made of the suburban semi is much made of you know the way that those houses look and how they're how they're decorated and how people eat in them and yeah yeah, kind of i i i I see it as a as a and isn't it nice that it
0: doesn't feel like it has that beige thing that we were talking about again with bohemian rhapsody which although it i think it really beautifully evokes the way that you think of life in the 70s in in little mm -hmm. english suburban places but it doesn't feel like it's nostalgic for it it just feels like it's showing
1: it yes you know you know that's the way it was yeah like kind of you know but there are but there are beautiful moments. I mean, it, it made me think of again in very different ways. Two distant voices, still lives, right? You know, all those scenes in the pub with the family kind of singing along to the tunes, mm-hmm. yeah, in the pub, right? So it has this film has those sing-alongs, right? Yeah, and that kind of going to the pub, you know. Obviously, it's very different than still lives. I mean, the child is not physically abused by the parents and so on, you know. But also, I mean, in distant voices, the the father and the mother, and you know, it's not too different here, except for the abuse. But but this is just background, yeah. This is kind of like you say, it's it's kind of this is the way that these people live their lives, you know. And it's gone, but it was like this, right? Um, so so I thought that was like very very interesting to me.
0: Yeah, I I, I thought it was absolutely. I was really blown away by how much I liked it. I uh-huh. Really didn't expect to, and I found it such a great sort of sort of sing along, toe tapping. I, I I I think the fact that it gets away with little dangerous things and makes them work, it somehow like sells the whole film for me and makes me yeah. feel so faithful. And Taron Egerton is just so charismatic and commands your attention all the way through so brilliantly. And he's and he's and he moves so. I mean, you know I need talking about his walking, but. Every moment that he's on screen moves And actually, isn't it so great that the kids are good as well? So rare in a British film to have young
1: actors who are good. My least favourite moment, though. So I have two niggles with the film so far. (laughs) I've come up with more. But, you know, the moment where he hugs his younger self, I thought... I love that bit. Ugh. Oh,
0: that's that. Was, that was in that was in the group therapy bit at the end, and I was like, "I'm going with this. I am going with this." But I agree. I think the the whole thing about asking his dad, the very young version of himself, saying, "When you going to hug me?"
1: Yes.
0: struck me as extremely heavy handed. Yes. On the other hand, I thought dads can be heavy handed, especially dads who don't, who don't like their gay son.
1: Well, <laughs> you yeah. know, that's true. But I thought I thought that was overly heavy handed, like overly. Yeah. You know, symbolic and, and too much therapy speak. Really, um, <laughs> there, so, there is
0: something very American about that. Yeah, you know, you go to America, and all of a sudden, you come back, and you want to talk about your feelings. Yeah, and your dad's like, "Yeah, I'll just pass you to your mum." Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and she doesn't want to talk about her feelings either. Yeah, uh, well, there's
0: a funny thing with the mum as well. You're talking about the kind of weird, weird lack of affection or or slightly offhandedness between the mum and Elton, and it's there's an interesting subtlety where at the end she uh, he. Um, he talks about, she talks about sacrificing things for him. Yeah. He says, what did we ever sacrifice? And she said, your dad, for one. And it's, actually, it's really just left at that. But there's this whole thing about how the dad obviously hated the kid. You know, yeah. And that's emphasised even more so when you see his second family and he's very happy with his sons there. Um, the dad obviously hated Elton. And that left the mum with this decision of who do I go with? And the fact that she chose her son and kind of drove the dad away because of that, is like, it, on the one hand, it was something that you would never regret, but on the other hand, you would constantly then hold it against the sun. And I think it was it was, it, it was only left at this subtle thing that left you to infer all of I that. I think
1: hatred is too strong a word. Okay. Um, I mean, I think there's an evident discomfort and alienation from the sun, right? Like, you know, kind of um, this... this boy who likes music and dresses, you know, um, is something that that man can't relate to. Yeah, you know, and actually that he's embarrassed about and ashamed of. and you know, I mean, can you also have to imagine what the culture was like in the in the 50s, the 40s and 50s, right? So yeah, kind of you know, having an effeminate son like that is probably seen as like a failure on your part, right to educate your son and raise them properly so mm. you see a distance and an alienation hatred is too strong no I, yeah I, I was uh,
0: talking quickly and hatred is too strong but uh, um, still the idea that kind of the choice that that has kind of that the mother feels she's been forced to make the re- and the result being that despite the fact that she chose her son and gave gave up something very serious for her son and how could she not then still leads to a kind of ongoing resentment of him because of that
1: well, I think there's something interesting about relationships between parents and children. You know that um, children can't imagine their parents having desires, wishes, hopes. You know, mm. yeah, that exist outside of them. I think it's you know I've seen that over and over again in kind of parent-child relationships. You know, so so I think maybe that is something that's you know um, the 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 character of Elton John in the film, and maybe even the film itself, doesn't appreciate enough, yeah? The fact that, you know, the mother chose the child, or, yeah, you know, supports the child, or, yeah, chooses the child over the partner. You know, because often, you know, that is not the case. Mm. Yeah, kind of, parents often choose but that's why the I think partner as opposed to the child. But
0: well, that's why I think it, that, that's why it becomes a moment which is a revelation to Elton. Yes. You know, like that, that thing where she responds, because it, it's it's kind of a moment, I don't know exactly how that scene goes, it's that, that dinner scene, but it is, it's a response you don't expect, and it's a response he doesn't expect, and the film has been in his head the whole time, that um, I think it's kind of fair enough that the film springs it as a surprise on the audience there too, you know, like, he never looked at it this way. Yes, but on and, the other
1: hand, you know, he did catch his mom cheating on his dad, yeah, you know, um, and it's clear that the only person he feels real support from is the grandmother, yeah, you also get the feeling that the mother is very selfish, yeah, you know, and so on so so but then in a way, that's what's really great about the film that you know it renders these things complex, the motives are multiple, it's not just one thing exactly, I think it's good, I, yeah you know, ultimately,
0: um, I, think, I think it's good storytelling yeah, and i think i and I do appreciate the how it is how it is left as this as something for you to infer, yeah. rather than spelled out in great detail. Like it's just this moment where the mum um, kind of expresses this this sort of frustration that she, like, in a way that she's not been heard for a yes. long time. She's never been heard by him, and this is this moment of of release for her. Yeah. That like you know affects him. Yeah. You know.
1: Um, anyway, well, let's leave it at that. It's very very good. I think you know it's it's uh, it's very good not only as an account of a pop star's life but i think it's very good as a as a movie musical Mm. yeah um so uh kind of very much worth seeing i think it's it's you know one of the best musicals i've seen in the last decade really
0: i think it's fantastic and i fell in love with it completely and i didn't expect to and i'll be listening to it on john all night i'll be listening to the soundtrack versions and i'll be listening to original you know and they they'd and I think one of the fantastic things, that I think I mentioned, is the way that the, the way the film reconfigures its songs. To you know, re- I I assume Elton John had input on that. Yes, partly. Um, I can't imagine they weren't, which is probably why they are so good. But the way it, the, the way that people burst into song, or not burst into song—that's overdoing it. But the way that people will just move into song. Yes. You know, they're walking away from a dramatic scene and they start singing a song. I know. think
1: it was a brilliant decision. To allow Egerton to sing the songs as well, you know, because actually, you know, his voice is not fantastic, but it's very good, yeah, and it does the job. And actually, there's something kind of um, immediate and human, and so on, that is kind of conveyed by him singing that wouldn't have been conveyed by him just mouthing the songs.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's also the case. That that's also to a degree what I'm talking about with the film reconfiguring and rearranging its songs for the purposes of telling the story Uh as opposed to just singing the songs as the album versions you know what i mean Uh you know it it um it feels more honest and and uh what's the word holistic Uh you know the film is is they become part of the film they're not they don't feel like um the greatest showman where it was like i know the songs were written for the greatest Showman, but it was kind of like we have to stop everything here and play a piece oh. of pre-recorded music. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't Point feel like that. it. Feels just beautifully organic and moving and flowing, yeah. and the whole film just flows from beginning to end, and the music yeah. helps it. It's
1: great. Um, this is, uh, um, you know, much much better musical than The Greatest Showman, uh, which I thought was terribly manipulative and kind. You of... Yeah, The
0: Greatest Showman is, is on a twelve-inch LP. And not only that, I saw it... Not only has it got an LP, but it's also got um, covers as an LP. So somehow, like, this thing has got legs. The
1: Greatest show. And people love it. I know people love it. You know. It's got, like, a remaster... But just because people love it doesn't mean it's not crap.
0: <laughs> no, no, it's... Oh, it's complete crap, but it's, it's kind of mad to me that, like... You know, Nat... Like, I thought LPs were for audiophiles who take music super seriously and they're like, ooh, you can hear all the clicks and scratches. <laughs> it's like, but I, listen, but I listen to crap. I listen to crap covered by crap people. But I must listen to it on vinyl.
1: <laughs> it's very weird to me. Anyway, anyway, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we are eavesdropping at the movies and we are on
0: we're on iTunes SoundCloud and YouTube uh, to listen to and uh, Facebook and Twitter on social media and eavesdropping dot- e- tro- and Eve dropping at the movies.com dot com is the website and um, yeah if you leave us a review and stuff or, if you like us then or share us and stuff then that's always really helpful yes. and um, yeah thank you very much okay bye bye it's really <laughs> good Rocket man really good <laughs> yes it is oh your doll just fell down alright